So it's my privilege to once again uh, introduce Charles. And many of you uh, know him. And as Mike said, he's been coming for so many years. But some of you don't. And uh, so I want to just give a brief uh, introduction. One of the things I really enjoy about this weekend, besides the public services, are Charles and I get a lot of time together, mano y mano, and uh, talking. And inevitably, our conversation is about how we didn't choose our path, that it was chosen for us, that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And it always is a recalibrating to go back and realize that we think we're choosing our path. We really do, but yet God sovereignly in the midst of it is choosing it. I wanted to read um, from Psalm 71, um, verse 14. But as for me, I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all day long. For I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I will declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I'm old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. Your righteousness, for your righteousness, O God, reaches to the heavens, you who have done great things. I think it's amazing. Uh, we talk about, you know, people, I do a lot of um, premarital counseling over the years, and one of the questions I ask is, what do you want to be doing at age 50? Every one of them is retired. <laughs> they're all retired, and they're traveling the world. So we have a hardworking man with us today. I don't think you can appreciate this. Charles, I want to say that you're a hard worker. He's always done that. And he's, he's 80 years old and gets on, up at 3 o'clock to get in the morning to get out here. And God has blessed him with um, insight and counsel. And, and even though 80 is starting to become a senior citizen, he's not done declaring his righteousness to this generation. Dudley asked me this morning, she said, do you think you could be doing that in 10 years? I said, help me, Elizabeth. Here I, <laughs> here I come, Elizabeth. Uh, you know, and I think it's, a, it's a, not to overstate it, but I think it's to be something to appreciate. And I, one more scripture. Those that, though young, uh, though youths grow weary and tired, and that's some of you out there, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait or hope for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. God has given that to Charles, and he gets tired, but yet is renewed every day to share something. So, Charles, we're really so glad, so grateful. Um, 60 years of ministry celebrated last year, and... Uh, I don't know what you're going to say this morning, but it's always something that's relevant to us. So would you please come now? Thank you. Thank you. It was such a good introduction, you could have just kept going. I really loved it. 
<laughs> my, my, my father would have loved it. My mother would have believed it. Anyway, uh, thank you. Very kind. Let's pray. We are grateful, Lord, for who you are, what you are to us. I pray you'll fill our lives, fill our hearts before you fill our mouths, that you will make us who you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to uh, fulfill the, the call that you put in us so that at the end of days <clears throat> we can uh, rejoice. We thank you that the regrets we have have been uh, washed away by the blood of Christ. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to help us today, not to wait too long, to receive the abundance of your goodness and mercy. Bless this house, I pray, and we, uh, we're so grateful that you have and have confidence that you will, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. In a moment, I will read some from the third chapter and uh, verse 17. I, I really do appreciate I am so honored. Um, I, I have been here a lot. I, I, I really am grateful more than any place I've ever been besides home um, and pretty close to that, too. Um, <laughs> Anyway, I, I really appreciate, I appreciate, I always say I appreciate being invited anywhere. It's, it's an honor. <clears throat> it's good to be invited back. That's really good. And uh, so I'm grateful. Thank you for the Christmas decorations. I, every year they're up, and I think, <laughs> do y'all leave them up year-round? But you don't, do you? I, the reason I think that is I have a cousin who does. Anyway, um, <laughs> I won't go there, but it's true. He's got uh, lighted icicles on his house year-round. Anyway, <clears throat> I am glad to be here. I, I pray the Lord will help me to, um, to say what I mean to say and what the Lord means me to say. It doesn't always work that way. Guys have a kind of klutzy way of expressing themselves sometimes. You just have to know they mean well, uh, especially if they're talking to ladies. This guy was guest of honor at a home, and um, they asked him to sit at the head of the table. The turkey was right in front of him, and he said, it's a real honor to be here sitting next to the turkey. And uh, <laughs> he turned to the lady next to him. He said, I meant the one on the table. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it just, it's, God, God told his friend, he said, I'm, <clears throat> I'm doing a lot better. He said, why? He said, I'm taking my meds and staying away from children. <clears throat> and he said, uh, why don't you stay away from children? He said, well, it says right on a bottle, keep away from children. So, <laughs> I could go on with that because I had no personal illustrations. Anyway, <clears throat> I am thankful. I, um, I'm going to share with you this morning a message that I call looking beyond. I really appreciate all that's gone on before because it certainly has set up what I feel uh, the Lord is saying. And uh, I spent considerable time trying to 
understand what the Lord is saying uh, to me about this particular word, and it's more than uh, I can deliver this morning. But uh, I want to um, give a start. Looking beyond, and I will let you fill in the rest of it. It could be looking beyond today. It could be looking beyond the obvious. <clears throat> it could be looking beyond my trouble. It could be looking beyond this life. It could be looking beyond whatever situation you happen to be in. But my, my thrust is beyond. And I believe it's a, a very strong biblical foundation uh, for this text. And I'll go ahead and read from 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and um, I'll start in verse 17. I'd love to read a lot more because I'm going to draw from the first four chapters of 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now I'll go on in the fourth chapter, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, that is of being able to look into the glory of God, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Let's go verse 6. For it is, is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I would like to read verse 18 in concluding uh, the text. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. Um, as I, I was uh, doing my own devotionals um, through the Bible, I came into 2 Corinthians, and um, in the first four chapters, I was struck by a number of things, and I couldn't get away from them, uh, so I don't know if this message is for me or for all of you or some of you, but it was... Um, I got locked up on this area. I, I saw so many different ways to approach it. But one of the things I saw is there are keys to the apostolic mindset. There are keys here to how the apostles thought. Not only the apostle Paul or all of the apostles, but the patriarchs the prophets, 
their, their keys to how they thought that caused them to live the way they lived and do what they did. Um, how many of you understand that the mind and the brain are two different things? The mind is what informs the brain. The mind is that quantity and quality of information that you receive through your five senses all the time that form how you approach your brain, which in turn affects your body. Our mindset, the scripture says in another place, let this mind be in you which was in Christ. And it goes on to describe his mind. So often our mindset is about what we don't have instead of what we do have. It's what's lacking in our lives or what's troubling us or what's paining us that causes us or distracts us from seeing what we actually have and seeing that will sustain us if we fail to see it, we lack that sustaining. The Apostle Paul had two completely different mindsets as are recorded in the Scripture. The first being his pre-conversion when he is on the road to Damascus to persecute at least and possibly kill people. He's angry. He's fearful, he's dangerous. And on the road to Damascus, he was struck down by a bright light, brighter than the noonday sun, apparently a light with power in it. Now, this is history. I'm not reading theory here. This is what happened that, in, in fact, affected the whole world. He was hit so hard by the light, and I'll talk about light later, that he went down. After that experience, his mindset was completely different. Something happened to him that changed his mind, and his mind becomes an example to us of an apostolic mind. And it's, it's also perhaps an example of what happened to a lot of people in history when they saw the light. Now, the Apostle Paul becomes a person of grace and mercy and comfort. Um, he's a different man. He had the same brain, but he had a different mind. A lot of people have a wonderful brain, they just have a bad mindset and don't know how to fix it, don't know what to do with it. And um, what I want to share with you this morning is to give some biblical clues on how to focus differently in a way that will sustain us through life. And through the challenges, how many of you understand there are challenges in life? Some of us have faced more than others, but we all have faced them and will face them. And um, what do you do? 
Where do you put your mind? It's all important. The Apostle Paul starts out in chapter 1, verse 4, saying, we are comforted. We have comfort in distress. We have comfort in Christ in distress. Comfort is a wonderful thing. We all naturally like comfort. Comfort is a sense of well-being, feeling good, not being irritated. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring that up. It, but <laughs> comfort is it's a, it's a mellow feeling. And Paul says, a man who knew the difference, he says, we are comforted with the comfort we receive from Christ. You know, it's interesting. I appreciate the presence of God here this morning. I appreciate the Holy Spirit in the worship. Because Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. He calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Now, there are a lot of reasons we could say he is the comforter. But I want to say that one reason he is a comforter is because he goes along beside. He's there. He is not the great explainer. Are you there? I maybe we would like him to explain more than he does. My first funeral, I was 20 years old when I started the ministry. <clears throat> My first funeral was a suicide. Those are very difficult. My father being a pastor, I still lived at home. The church I was pastoring was seven miles away. I was still commuting to college and so forth. And I asked my father, I said, Dad, what do I say? What do I do? I never forget what he said. He said, your job is not to explain everything. Your job is to be there. Now, when he said be there, he didn't mean attend the service. He meant be with the, with the family. I never will forget because there was another minister that shared in the service, and he tried to explain it all. It's a terrible mistake. I was glad that I had gotten my father's counsel. It wasn't my job to address. How many of you understand when you go through trouble that most people, what they say is not worth a whole lot? I'm not naming names. You don't have to do that either. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody's got advice. I'm a pathological advice giver. I have to watch it because I'm, I'm a minister. That's what I do. But listen, our comfort is in our relationship to God, not in God's explanations to us. Now, I think there come a time where you'll understand it, as the old hymn says, better by and by. But in the meantime, it's knowing who's around you. My goodness, I've got to move on because I've got 12 of 15 of these. No, <laughs> and you're going to sit there and say, all right, this is just number two. 
Number two. <laughs> All right, but first, we have comfort. Say it with me. We have comfort. And isn't it wonderful when you're in distress to be comforted? Not necessarily by what everybody says, but knowing that you are surrounded with whatever you need. All right. We have comfort. The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Praise God. I love the old song, Take My Hand, Precious Lord, Lead Me On. It was written by a black brother, Tommy Dorsey, not the band leader. He was a band leader as well. In the 30s, Tommy Dorsey made his living with music, left his wife at home. She was pregnant. Everything was fine. He had to make a run down to St. Louis. He had a concert. That was his living, his job. His wife was fine with him going. And he did the job so wonderfully. People gave him standing ovations, wanted him to repeat performance. And he got a telegram that his wife and baby were deceased. Brokenhearted. His life seemingly destroyed, all kinds of feelings. He sat down a few weeks later at the piano, and the words began to come, take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to your light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, you know, he's there. Lead me on. It's, it was the knowledge that the Lord was walking with him through the storm that brought him through. And the comfort he received became a comfort to millions of people. The Bible says we have received comfort so that we may be able to give comfort. How many of you understand the people, I can't get off this comfort. How, how many of you understand that the best comfort you receive is from somebody who understands? And they don't have to say a lot. I, I, I lost my wife uh, eight years ago, be nine years in February. Wonderful, wonderful person. And uh, very difficult. Now, I'm with people who lose a spouse from time to time. I don't have to explain it. I'm not glad I lost my wife, but I'm glad God comforted me. Now, I, I, we don't have to like the circumstances, the affliction, the loss, and we, we'll get to that later, but, but we receive something that's everlasting and enables us. If you haven't been through much, now when I was young, I knew a lot of Bible, and I could quote a lot of Scripture to people in trouble. But you know, after you go through a few things, it's a little different. There's a difference between a religious answer and a spiritual experience. We have received comfort. When you go through something, let God comfort you because you're going to meet people down the road that need it, and you'll be more qualified 
help somebody else. Well, we have an earnest. My goodness, Lord, help me. We have a down payment. Say it with me. We have a down payment. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not only your comforter, He's a guarantee that the rest is coming. We have a down payment. If, if you were to look in the ver chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, we have an earnest. In another place, he's called the seal. You see, when, when the Holy Spirit comes on people, they feel bold because there's an assurance. It's not just theory. When the Holy Spirit moves on somebody, it becomes real. You can, you can talk acad academics all day long. You can argue. Somebody said a man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. Whenever the power and presence of God is there, whenever you experience something, you know grace is something. I, I tell people grace is something you can believe theoretically, but you could never anticipate and in the moment of need, it's something unexplainable. And on the other side, you wonder, how did I get through? But it's, a, it's the Holy Spirit is a down payment. The presence of God is a seal. It's like a contract that is sealed legally that says, Yes, you receive this now, but the rest is coming. In Acts 4, they prayed. They were under persecution, threatened with death, and they said, Lord, grant to, to your servants that with all boldness we may declare your word. What's lacking when we're not bold? A sense of the presence of God. Now, we need to look beyond the obvious to see the presence of God, to receive it. Um, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if in this life only we have hope, we are all men most miserable. It says in another place, looking beyond what is seen into what is not seen. Because what is seen is temporal. What is not seen is eternal. The Holy Spirit is a down payment on what is not seen. Listen, the invisible affects the visible. You can live in the visible and miss the root of everything. How many of you understand an idea is intangible? You can't see an idea. Where do ideas come from? Some come from the devil, I think. Some come from God. But an idea is invisible, intangible, and yet ideas run the world. People act out of something they don't see. Well, it, that's how it is in the spiritual realm. Now, we have the guarantee of something more. I can't tell you, I can't express how important and powerful that is. I, I don't want to refer to myself too much, but 
And, and I never wanted to be a minister. I, 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 I never wanted to be. And nobody thought I would be. And I, <laughs> I, I, we talked about this. The, um, wow. Um, but I, I, I see death a lot. And I see life. This past week, I talked to three different people who, in the natural terms, are facing death. One is a, a cousin. Another is a daughter-in-law's mother. <coughs> Another is a, <coughs> a judge and a friend, a supporter for many years. I don't know how many memorial services I've done, but a lot. If it's better than this, go ahead. <clears throat> That's all right. Uh, I, I, I understand. I, I had my, I used to criticize, but my cell phone went off while I was preaching one time, um, and then mercy came upon me. Um, <clears throat> Uh-oh. Woke him up. But I, 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 I've... I have seen a wide variety of situations surrounding death. And I can't go into all of this. I literally had to carry people away from the cemetery, physically, screaming. Never forget it. Some of the most wonderful memorial services you could imagine where the presence of God and thanksgiving for a life. But I will tell you this. Death changes perspectives. Unfortunately, we wait too long. When a person goes away, suddenly we don't remember the bad things. They're a wonderful person, <laughs> usually. Um, but we start seeing in a different light. When a person is nearing that point, their perspective changes. I have a cousin who's a, a Cajun. I have a lot of Cajun cousins. If you don't know what a Cajun is, look at swamp people on the TV. Anyway, <laughs> um, and uh, he no longer lives in the bayous, but he lives, uh, I, I, I've got to be careful, I'm going to start on the story. But anyway, he lives up near Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He's got a, a hundred acres on a river. Uh, <clears throat> and um, he loves animals, pet deer, you know, I mean, he's, and uh, he's passing away. We're the same age. We both lived on the same property when we were three, four years old, five years old. <clears throat> Had a bond that lasts through life even if we don't see each other often. He's real, he's a real Cajun. 
Um, his father was half Indian. Um, his mother was my mother's sister, like a second mother to my mother. Um, his name is Russ. And I, I, I called him. He's on oxygen. Uh, he has trouble breathing. And uh, we talked about the Lord. We have something in common besides our ancestry. He loves the Lord. It gives me great comfort and gives him great comfort. I, I could go through conversations. I talked to one lady a few days back, and she said, they're going to put me in a box. I said, no, they're not going to put you in a box. She was worried about the dress she was going to wear. <laughs> now, she's a Christian. She is. But she's a woman <laughs> with a little bit of vanity. And so we talked about the treasure in the vessel and the difference, and she believes it. And she talks out of her mind some about seeing her loved ones. It changes your perspective, but we have a guarantee. And that guarantee brings comfort. Now, I'm going I'm to mention something else that we have. The, in, in the Apostle Paul says in, in, in the second chapter, in verse 14, 15, he says, We have a fragrance. Now, I hesitated to bring that up because of men. I, I know you, you want, I don't necessarily want a fragrance, you know. Cologne's out. Well, but he says something here. We, if our journey is triumphant, we give off something pleasant to other people. I, I was sitting on our deck the other day, and the sun was striking a metal chair uh, on the deck, and I could see the, the waves of heat and energy coming off that chair. The sun was just right. I was positioned just right. And it struck me, we're giving off stuff that's invisible. But it's real. The Apostle Paul says, as you triumph in your journey. What does triumph mean? It means to overcome. As you overcome in your journey, you give off waves, a fragrance, a testimony that you don't even know you're giving off. Somebody said, don't worry that People don't listen. Worry that they watch. The Apostle Paul says, as we triumph, as we overcome, now how many of you know that overcome has some implications that are unpleasant? As we overcome, we have to come over something. As we come over whatever it is we come over, 
we give off a fragrance that ascends to God and to others. In other words, God is pleasantly, God is pleased with how we deal with difficulty. I can't emphasize that enough. You see, there's a brand of religion that says, if you believe in Jesus, you'll never have any more trouble. And then people have trouble, and they say, but if you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you'll never have trouble. And then they have trouble. And then they get mad. That's not true. The issue is not whether you have trouble or not. The issue is how you deal with it. Everybody has trouble, some more than others. But in Christ, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We have comfort. We have a guarantee. We know the rest of it is coming. We, in our triumph, make people feel better about being around us. Are there people you like to be around? They're not always people that don't have any problems. There's some people you don't like to be around. Well, I know if you're a Christian, you'd love to be around everybody. But there's some people you like to be around more than others. Some people leave you feeling great. Some people leave you feeling like, Jesus, come quickly. You know. Uh, I love Andre Crouch's song, Through It All. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. I love the whole song. I, I can't deal with it. What time is it? 8.30? Anyway, uh, here's something else we have. The, Paul, the Apostle Paul speaks to, in the third chapter, and I'm not going to read verse 4 through 6 if you want to take a note, we have sufficiency in Christ. Paul said, I, I've learned to be in need. I've learned to live with a lot. I've learned to live, I learned to enjoy sufficiency. This is a big deal to me. I, I referred to, and those of you who know me know, I never wanted to be a minister. I'm not bragging about it, I just didn't want to be. There are a lot of good reasons. My father was a pastor, wonderful person, loved my parents, but I didn't want to put up with the garbage. Um, I'm trying to think of a nice word. I, I. <laughs> I did not want to, <laughs> I was talking to Lee right before the meeting and she gave me a bad word, so no, I'm not, not really, not really. She gave me a word I'm tempted to use that's quasi-acceptable. Now, here, here's the thing. I didn't want to be a minister. I didn't want to deal with everybody's trouble. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to have to please everybody. I didn't want to not have to fight if I wanted to. true. I played football, boxed. I, I loved it, if there was a good reason. Now, the minister, minister, I like girls. Now, ministers can't do any of that. <laughs> it was terrible. It felt like, well, everybody say, you're going to be a minister when you grow up. I want to bite their hand. <laughs> 
don't, don't call me that, you. Anyway, and I, I could invent appropriate words. And then God said, you're mine. You were given to me when you're born. You're mine. You can either do what I want you to do, or you can go to hell, whichever way you want to do. <laughs> and I'll show you how close you are to it. And he did several times. And then I felt led to surrender. <clears throat> I went forward. My father said, why are you coming forward? I said, I'm going to be a minister. He said, praise God. I thought, why? <laughs> now, God gave me Philippians 4.19. I was 17 years old. Worst year of my life. Really. There's some pretty close to that. But anyway, this 17, worst year. I, I wrote it, I printed it, and framed it, and put it on the wall. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I knew he wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about all my needs. I thought, Lord, you don't know. You just don't know. He said, I will supply all if you'll do what I tell you. If you don't, you're on your own with all your needs. Now, trust, trust, we have sufficiency. Praise God. We started publishing in 1969 and have never missed a beat. And there's no, well, I don't get a salary. I'm just, every month since 1969, some of you weren't born then. Some of you were just an idea. Now, I'm telling you, since 1969, I've watched God keep his word. And I remind him at least once a month. It was on the wall, Lord. I printed it. It was on the wall. I've seen miracles. We have sufficiency. If you'll keep your eyes beyond the situation, you'll see your sufficiency. Whatever we need. Now, by the way, it's not just for us. It's so that we can share, we can give. We receive to give. Oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to stop. We have liberty. As the preacher says, now as I continue to close... Anyway, <laughs> nobody believes it. <laughs> Just dangling like a carrot. Now, but we have liberty. Oh, praise God. Does anybody know what liberty means? How many of you know it's precious? People die for it. It's more important than life to many people. It's not cheap. We have liberty to behold him. You know, you couldn't get in the temple. You couldn't go to the temple 
They wouldn't let you in. You got to stand outside and hope a little overflow comes. But when Jesus was crucified, <laughs> praise God, he took the veil and rent it. You, if you'd have gone in the temple, you couldn't go in the holy place. You certainly couldn't go in the most holy place. But God himself took that veil that yokes of oxygen, oxen couldn't pull apart. It was so woven, so thick, and he tore the veil. And now not only can you go into the outer court, not only can you go in the holy place, you can go in the most holy place. You can come to the throne of God boldly. Hallelujah. Is that a blessing? Is that good? Is that real? Absolutely. You have liberty in the face of Jesus. And we have light. Chapter 4, 6. 4, verse 6. We have light in the face of Jesus. Paul knew about light. He saw it. You know what light does? You want to study light? You want something interesting? Study light. The Bible says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Darkness is not it's not a substance. It's the absence of a substance. God dwells in unapproachable light. Without light, you can't see. Genesis 1, the first thing God did is say, let there be light. And there was light, and light was good. You know what light does? It gives life. Life needs light. When you behold Christ, he illuminates. He enlightens. Light energizes. You ever have God show you something and it quickened you? You got excited. You, you could be just in a kind of a blah mood, and, and maybe you're reading the Bible, you're reading something, you're just kind of reading to read the Bible, and then God shows you something. He quickens our mortal body, energizes. Light separates. It separated the waters above, the waters beneath. It separated the oceans from the land. It separated darkness, night and day. It separates. When you see the light, it can separate you. You don't mean for it to. There's some that don't see the light. Thank you, Lord. And you have all this treasure, the comfort, the guarantee. You have it all in Christ. It's right there. You have the treasure. Or an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the glory would be of the treasure and not of the vessel. You say, well, you saying the vessel's not important? Oh, it is important. Take care of it. You don't get another one like it. I think it's good. Take care of it. 
Be healthy. Take care of your hair, what you got. <laughs> take care, take care. It's okay. I'm not, don't beat, your, don't beat yourself. Don't flagellate yourself. That's okay. Just remember, though, it's not the treasure. You got a gift from God that came in a package. It's really not about the package. It's about the gift. You're not going to put the package on yourself and say, oh, what's such a beautiful package. I just don't want to open it. <laughs> no, you ripped that sucker apart. You know, I want to find the treasure. The treasure's not the package. The treasure is what lives when the package is gone. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I like that course. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thank you.